Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Garland Pepper Podcast. So today we welcome as our guest uh, Tim the Shrubber, and you will know why we have monikered him with the name Tim the Shrubber. For the man carries pruners in his left hand pocket. He actually has a thing that slips on his belt. He's a nerd of plant culture. He knows all the names of all the plant culture, like all the Latin names, and he knows how they all interact with each other. And we just get like a tip of the iceberg when it comes to Tim today. And I think you'll enjoy it because Tim is a uniquely qualified person to talk about the earth and his places on it and plants and he loves plants so enjoy ladies and gentlemen boys and girls welcome to the garland pepper uh, i'd like to thank you all for showing up on a regular basis today my guest is tim kramer now we have a nickname for tim we call him tim the shrubber tim's the kind of guy who always has a pair of pruning shears in his pocket left side because he's a left-handed man and uh we have been friends for a good 10 years he knows drum beats that defy time that most musicians even go near um he is a man of violin and he's a man of philosophy but mainly he's a man of plants plant not plant not N-U-T. You are a plant nut. Correct. You have been a plant nut your whole life. You probably have more species of plant on your property per square inch than most people in America. There's truth. Yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully they're not all, like, bad invasive or any of them. So far, none. Yeah. I so you planted things that shouldn't. Not here, but elsewhere. And said, oops. Yeah. Yeah. You don't plant viney things, though. I don't like vines, actually. I have several, and I'm in the process of disappearing them. Down with the vines. It's hard to control them. Yes, it is. I've just gotten rid of a lot of, well, I've got blackberry, and I've got, um, it is a vine. It's a nasty-ass vine. Um, It grows viney, but it's a straw. What do they call it? What do they call it? The straw? Both the kids back. Yeah, it is. So I don't know. They're horrible. But I hate blackberries. And we've got uh, that. Uh, what is that? The green English ivy. Oh yeah. Oh my god, that is a horrible vine. Uh, but not as bad as blackberries. And so I've been getting rid of those in my backyard. Yeah, that's good. They grow on the hill every year. It's a battle. The birds poop out more, so that's what happens. Oh, so what happens? I think what I keep fighting are the ones that have been there for generations. Some of that, yeah, yeah. pretty well. Them really, really long root systems on a blackberry. Pretty woody root systems. Mm-hmm. Lasts a long time. No, thank you. Don't like them. No, me neither. And they were imported, weren't they? Well, there is the native one. Actually, there's a couple of native ones. Oh, or Oregon native blackberries. Oh yeah, yeah. Are there's, th- there's one that's called ghost uh, blackberry because um, the the bark on the stems is kind of white. Um, and that's very viney. Um, and the other one has uh, looks like a segmented leaved thing. It looks like a leaf leaf maple. 
Oh, I think I've seen those. They grow along the creek sides. Yeah, they grow where it's moisture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This area used to burn, so that the only places that kind of stuff used to live well is near the creeks. Mm. It doesn't burn anymore. Doesn't? Not if we if humans can help it, they don't like fire except they like to play with it. Uh, well, yeah, it it you know it, it it can really mess up a house. You know, a little bit of fire, you know, can kind of mess up your home, make make things difficult for a long period of yeah. time. Find another dog. Go find some. Yeah. If you drop it off the dump, he's always got food. 
I remember hearing shit like that when I was a kid. I was like, holy shit, these people are brutal, man. Yeah. And then, you know, and the dog, you yes, know. we don't eat our dogs in this country. Well, I hear it's not very tasty. I haven't tried it. Yeah, I, I, I hear it's gross. I don't. I hear you should just shouldn't. Um, well, most mostly car carnivore meat is not what you and I tend to eat. We we eat things that eat grass or herbs. That's correct. That is correct. So I think the meat is quite a bit different. It's a lot hotter. It's, it's you know, tasting. I think. You know, in Africa, do you think they eat the lions and stuff? Sure, they do. Absolutely. So that would be some some it's heavy. That would be some hot food because it would have like just it's just super protein meat eating meat. Yeah, I don't know. In the old days, they Very went out after those guys with spears and uh, attacked the. I mean, they were they they come in in groups. They're not just one lone lion sitting out there. It's, I don't think it would be very easy to attack them with spears, but once they got guns, then yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, so one of the things about humans is this ability to come together. There's a theory that our ability to throw accurately in groups is what gave us power over these creatures. Mm, where's that theory coming from? Uh, I forget the guy's name. It was a it was a, a guy that was talk it was an anthropologist I believe he was talking about our ability to one be able to throw accurately so we we could wield stones which made us a lethal thing from a distance you're right not right up next to us right. we also developed some sort of communication where and agreements wherein we could throw stones together at a subject so one sure. yeah one stone at a tiger. Doesn't do anything, but ten stones at a tiger, and then coming in for the kill with a big stone or yeah, but it's seven. Yeah, different than a lion because tigers don't tend to be in groups, um, whereas the lion is. And so, you're if you're going after one, you're going to have the other ones to contend with too. Yeah. So that's not not quite so easy. But if they're cats, rocks work pretty well. They kind of get shit. You well, know, I they get try it, they you know? get shady. I'll watch you in Kenya if you want sometime. We should do. We should book a trip. <laughs> <laughs> Just for your pleasure. All right, we're sending Gary out. You you could be like Jim on on Mutual of Omaha. You'd be like, we're sending Gary out on an adventure. Right. I oh, could be son. Jim. I could be Jim. You could be Merlin Perkins. Well, look at Gary out there. <laughs> look at Garland Pepper out there fighting them lions with rocks by himself. Yeah, but that's a theory. I mean, you know, when when people don't know, they don't know. But you can make a you can postulate. But, all the time. But it's kind of interesting that uh, his, his idea was basically that the first forming of community was us recognizing our power to, to get power over more dominant creatures by coming together. And so therefore we developed the first kind of coalition of humans, whereas you don't see that in the animal kingdom That's a lot. That's man-centered logic there because you think? what were yeah. the women doing with the kids there? Where were they? You know, what were they doing? Where did language actually start? I don't think it started with men. We oh, no, it didn't. It didn't start with, with, with yeah, it definitely. With language comes culture. Well, it started when, when, when you get more than two communities together and they have to figure it out. I think that's where language has to become some sort of agreements. It's you really weird that we. Family groups, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's how we come to language. Personally, it's, it's, yeah. it's an agreement that this symbol re is recognized by this sound. We're inclined to follow we're we're herd animals, right? So right, we don't we don't tend to say no every time somebody suggests uh, 
this is how you're supposed to think on this. Otherwise, nothing wait, would happen. Wait, we don't? Well, some of we. Uh, yeah, but yeah. It's after the fact. I do speak English. Yeah, so we I don't. Absorbed it. But that, that's not me, typically, is it? I don't, I don't take no for an answer very well, and neither do you. Correct, though. But there is, there is a requirement, isn't there? You have to have some uh, agreement to communicate in, in the same manner as there's none. Well, to go along to get along. I mean, we've both had to kind of acquiesce to systems in our lives. Yep. Yeah. Didn't end up in jail. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what is one of the things you love the most? The most? Well, as as started, as introduced, um, uh, watching things grow, I think is probably the, uh, it's not just plants particularly, um, but yes, um, my, I have a collection, it's a little bit insane, but it, it also, it offers a great deal of pleasure. You have a jujube tree. <laughs> I draw it at the moment. It, well, it, it died? Yes. They have one at the lottery if you want to go grab a start. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Coming up out of the ground. Well, the trouble is, it depends on whether it was grafted or. It, yeah, it's always rootstock, but they may not know. be the same. They, as the they, they might shoot you. They're thorny too. You go there and just grab a branch and put your starter yeah, on just it. Stuff that into the ground. Listen it won't. Me. It won't make a starter. You can't do it. Uh, the uh, nine out of ten plants fail with that. Uh, willows work. As if willows you know, willows do, work. Water plants. Not many. Well, it's not just that, but the willows produce a, a chemical that actually improves. If you soak willow branches in in water. And then pour the water on plants that you're trying to root. They will root better. What? Yes, sir. So there's some sort of enzyme that's in the willow that helps them root better. Yeah. And if you share that with other plants, they will root better. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. I love things that are adjuvants to other things. Adjuvant. There you go. That was used in the other day in the form of uh, an adjuvant for a vaccine. Mm -hmm. I think of adjuvants as soaps because they're they're kind of like the assist in basketball. They're kind of like the Scottie Pippen, you know, of the Bulls, in in like in chemical in chemical reactions. Yeah, it's a catalyst, and and things that help move things from one place to another. Like so, I was talking to Karen, and she was uh, Karen McFarland Holman, and she was talking. She's a, a scientist. She was talking about how they use manganese to extract oxygen from cancer cells in the prostate mm. because it's so close to iron, I believe it was. It's a metal. Yeah, that it did this thing and it tricks the cancer cells. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's just this, and it's another thing. It's a catalyst to something else happening. Mm. Well, I didn't know that one. Well, of course you didn't. Can't know everything. What are you, Tim? You gotta. You can't know everything. I, I try to learn as much as possible. You definitely do. So you just got back from an amazing journey. In truth. Hmm. Actually, did. two. I don't know which one. One. Well, let's start. Yeah. Let's, yeah. <laughs> yesterday was something else. So Chile. Yeah, you went down to Chile. That was a, that was a fine experience. Went with uh, two uh, friends. Um, one Dawit Zaleke is a, a fairly large black man, and Corey Ong is a little thin Chinese woman, and then Heather and I went, and it was an interesting experience, uh, traveling in the bush with foreigners, we being foreigners, um, and then the cultural sort of differences. Um, I was the only one that spoke much Spanish, and there were a few words of Spanish from the others as well, so communication was mostly through me to the 
to the folks. So that was an interesting place to be. It was a, it was a fun time. The trouble is, <clears throat> Chile and lots of other places in the world at the moment are having trouble with uh, the rich poor thing. I mean, that's uh, very very ten thousand years big of separation. Uh, human characteristics there. Um, the, the the rich do well and the poor don't. And uh, there were, there was some rioting going on while we were there. You have to go to uh, Santiago, which I don't like big cities, so that's just where the big airport is, and we we boogied out of there. But only we did see it in a couple other of the larger towns we were we were in, with broken windows and people out lighting fires in the night and stuff. But mostly we were in the bush. Um, I was collecting plants, uh, seeds of some plants, some weedy plants. Some used to be close relatives of the beech trees. They've been moved a little bit, but that doesn't matter much. Cool-looking things from way south. We were at uh, as far south as 53 degrees south latitude. Um, was it cold? Uh, the high temperatures, uh, average high temperature is 60 degrees. Ooh. The uh, average wind uh, temperature uh, speed is about 40 miles an hour. And what? There was a lot of time that it was uh, close to 70, and, and you wandered around as if you were drunk because you got buffeted this way and that way. By the wind? By the wind, oh, yes. Do people live there? Oh, yes. Uh, so hills block the wind. And so on, on the, the north side mostly, but also on the west side of the uh, mountains, as soon as you get inland anyway, there were trees there. Mm -hmm. And next to the ocean, the trees were on the uh, ocean side, actually, because it was sort of a foggy belt. Um, but there were some very large trees. Um, and, so and there was like this ocean eco zone that had trees and then a space of desert and then trees again well it wasn't desert because we we're cold um well, there wasn't much rain in some of those places um, although some of them had 170 inches of rain a year so that's that, <laughs> that's like a lot of inches wet. that's that's a lot that's a way lot mm -hmm. that's a whole bunch of inches that's many inches yes yeah. Um, but in, in some of those areas um uh, the the pampas the the steps of Argentina, which we think of as where, where all that stuff is, actually spreads into Chile. Mm -hmm. um, the Andes fall apart as they go south, and they become islands, and very steep islands, but um, they, they're still islands. And in between them, <clears throat> there's usually a desert of sorts that uh, is grassland with a few shrubs, prickly shrubs, um, a, uh, a blue-fruited uh, barberry um, called calafate, which was, that's their name for it. That they made a lot of stuff out of it. It's very seedy. It was tasty, but it was dampably uh, thorny little trees, bushes, I mean. <clears throat> but they withstood the wind and sort of multiples of the grasses, but the trees couldn't. They're, they need a heat budget. That's what, why the trees couldn't handle it. They need a certain amount of heat in order to store enough energy to yeah. get started for the next year. But how many seeds are stored in those dry, cold, you know, these arid areas that, like, if the, if the atmosphere changed, they would just become these, you know, botanical, blossoming, well, amazing places. Those are probably long dead, those seeds, but uh, <coughs> extend your thoughts uh, in not too far from, well, actually right on the Argentine border in the south there where we were, we went to a national park, uh, Paliaki, um, and it was a volcanic park very bizarre and interesting looking landscape. But in that park was a cave and some early explorers uh, had found, were digging around looking for people sort of evidence and they came across a, a chunk of skin and they said, what the heck's this? And it turns out they thought they were still alive, these critters, but that they had come across the, the old skin dry 
but still flexible, um, of the Midodon or Mylodon, which was a ground sloth that lived in southern uh, Chile. Kind of an interesting thing. So we, we visited that cave to look at it and saw lizards and things there, but <laughs> no, no Midodons. Yeah, nothing, no mammals. Oh, yes. Guanacos. Um, we saw guanacos, uh, foxes. Um, what other mammals do we see there? Um, not too so many there. Foxes must just eat what the, the lizards and such. Well, yeah, and guanaco babies if they could get hold of them. So you never saw one doesn't mean they ain't around. There's a lot of guanacos out there. Oh, I saw lots of guanacos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw herds of guanacos and rias. You know what a rhea is? No. Well, you, you just remember that word because uh, if you ever have, if you ever do crossword puzzles, um, they're it's like a female river. Like a R-H-E-A. Rivet? It's, it's a bird. Oh, it's a R-H-E-A. bird like an emu and an ostrich, but it's, or a kiwi, but it's none of the above. It's its own thing. It looks like more like a kiwi. Um, well, long legs. The, the kiwis are short, squatty things. It uh, looks more like an ostrich, just a little bit smaller. Okay. Um, we saw lots of those um, in, in certain places, which was kind of cool. Didn't see too many mammals. Uh, saw coastal ones, of course. Um, lots of. Uh, did see some spots from some whales, but I didn't actually see the whales, but I saw seals and sea lions and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the sea out there is flat. Uh, well, all ocean is flat, except well, for the waves. Right, but there's very few waves because of those. Oh, no, no. No, they're, they're crazy? No, no, no. These, uh, Drake's Passage is considered to be the worst place in the world to try to sail through. Uh, 40 to 50 foot waves. Continuously, more than fifty foot waves. That's why they tried to go down the Magellan Strait, which is sort of an inland passage and, and cut through just north of Tierra del Fuego. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to Tierra del Fuego. We looked at it. We waved at it. But we, so if you go south, it's a graveyard of south boats. Of where? South of Tierra del Fuego. Well, Drake's it, um, Crossing. It's it's a graveyard of boats, isn't it? I don't know that there's. I think they disappear. There, there may be, may have been. I should say. Oh, yeah. But they get all busted up. I don't know if there's much left there. After yeah, I watched a, a show where a guy was doing a solo. And he went, you know, on the inside, like you're talking about, mm-hmm. through the straits. Or through the straits, is that what you call it? Well, there's a couple straits, right? But even in there, there were, there were you know, because you got currents going against waves. I have going a uh, waves. little short video, that, and I didn't know you could do this with an iPhone. I'm really technical, don't you know? Um, and <laughs> a friend uh, was watching Heather and I, Heather and me, watching Heather and me walk. And I, you're correct. No. Somebody's correcting you now. Watching Heather and and I walk, I guess that is correct. Yeah, if you're going to follow it with a verb. No, it's it's the objective. Yes, you're right, the nominative case. Mm -hmm. Um, Watching Heather and I walk, or attempt to walk, uh, we were maybe, it was 100 yards straight, or maybe it was two, must have been 200 yards straight of water. And then an island, a big island, and we were on the other end, on the mainland, basically. Uh, it's, we were the last, we were at the end of South America, the lot, the solid South America, actually. Um, and the, the wind was so strong that we wobbled along as we were, and, and Heather... You guys like, arm in arm, just trying to hold each other well, up? No, I had gone out first to take a picture, but I had, I had my legs all spread and... You know, with squats, <laughs> trying, to, trying to stand up. Against, You're a strong man, and this wind is just buffeting the waves you. Were, there were four foot standing waves just screaming down this this stream. Oh, oh, oh! So there's a little spit running out there, and, and there's these little standing waves coming along the spit. No, there was an island. Oh yeah, and coming there was around the that mainland. island. 
but the main line had enough wind that there weren't any trees on it either. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, this, this uh, 200 yards of water, mm -hmm. ocean, you know, fresh, not salt water, there we go, and then the islands on the other end. And the far south side of that island was forested. It was a forest reserve, actually, for the, for the country. But the north end was basically steppe country. Yeah, is that is that so? If there's a some sort of finger coming off of the Andes, and it's it's on the north side, does it uh, grow trees typically, or no? Well, it depends on what part. On inland, where the winds are a little bit different, and I don't mean very far inland, maybe ten miles, uh, you start seeing trees on the north sides of the islands of the uh, hills. Excuse me, mm -hmm. but right next to the ocean, um, it depends on how much wind there is. There's either nothing or if there's a hill that's tall enough and it slows the wind down enough, then even the side that's facing the ocean, which is to the west, is covered. Excuse me. Uh, with trees. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. I'm sorry. That's quite right. So, so yeah, and, and it's pretty cool country. It feels like outside of this world. And and you yeah. you're enamored with South Africa. This is your what trip? How South many? Africa. I mean South America. I'm sorry. Did I say that? Um, South America. I malaprop every every show at least it's, twice. It was purely random. Um, I like high country. Um, I had learned. Uh, let's see. I had a divorce and wanted to just do something different. And I had learned about the Incas and was curious about what sort of culture they left behind. Um, had wanted to go there for a long time. Um, I went to Haiti first. Actually, I went to Mexico. Then I went to Haiti. Uh, then I went to Guatemala to learn Spanish and headed to Peru for four and a half months at about uh, 15,000 feet, 15 to 17,000 feet. Um, 15, what were you doing there? Uh, well, getting over the divorce was was really what I was 15 doing. 15 to 17,000? You were just trying to like not have oxygen for a few months? Well, I mean, um, that's... I, I base camped in Cusco, which is at uh, 9,000 feet. Plus, I forget exactly what it is. Um, and then I went out into the mountains from there um, and would spend a week at a time up right along the snow line, which is at 5,200 meters, which is 17,000 feet. Wow. But you got to get there. So some of the time you're at 15. So you're and you're, so you're moving in these low oxygen levels. Did you have some sort of oxygen? No. Help? You just had coca leaf? <laughs> I did try that. Uh, didn't do any much good. All it did was burn the inside of my mouth. I thought that was a waste of everything. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you need a uh, catalyst. You need a... It's uh, it's an alkaloid. So you need a lime or fire-based alkaloid. Excuse me. Uh, cat Cation to uh, attach to the... Uh, I can't think of the right chemical at the moment. It's not mm -hmm. cute. But anyway, that, that's in cocaine. Oh, um, dopamine? Well, it's not dopamine, but it's oh. its own thing. Oh, it's own thing, yeah. But anyway, that's that's how it works. And so you just people just burn the inside of their cheeks. It's, it's just nuts. And they chew it all day. They eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. Then they yeah. chew... Um, coca all day. Coca all day. And then... These are the high-altitude people. It's just oh, yeah, part they of their culture. To, they go to work... Um, with a giant pile of stuff on their on their backs and, and way above their heads. You're talking about village village, they come village, from the village entrepreneurs down into, the, down into town to sell their wares, mm -hmm. and they go plody plody plod down into town. Um, but on the way back, of course, they don't sell everything. They still have a giant load, or at least they load people up that way. And I watched two people loading one person over and over again, pick up the package, and they they strap it on and head up. 
and they walk twice the speed going uphill as they did coming down in the morning because they've been chewing on coca all coca day. Leaves all day, and they don't know how uncomfortable everything is. So you know, they, it's a killer of, of hunger too. So, so you, yeah, they don't. Well, they don't have much food. They're up there, snow line. There's not much food oh, growing. Food up there. The they do all right. Over in the mountains, do better than if they go down to Lima or even Cusco, um, any of the bigger cities. It's just. They lose their dignity. That's the biggest thing they lose. But uh, they lose. They, they own their land up there, as opposed to lots of other Central America. The, um, the people in in Peru and uh, Ecuador um, own their own land up in the mountains. Yeah. So they can actually grow stuff. So it's that individualism, that spirit of self. You know. Um, they, they have little family groups in little little towns. I walked into a town one time um, in, in an area um, which, which is. It's called Wino, H U A Y. Not, it's not has nothing to do with Wino. <laughs> um, and there was one bottle of beer in the bar on on the on the bar uh, <laughs> table, and three sets of people dancing to a radio with the native um, uh, Quechua language and, and music going on on it. They offered me a drink in this place. <laughs> it was the most interesting thing. Walk into the bar and there was there weren't any choices. I just heard the music. That's what made me come go looking for them. Yeah, <laughs> all the way up in the mountains. But they're alive. It's, it's live music. I mean, yeah, yeah. I love live music. music. I mean, it's it. Are, now, are they playing traditional music, or are these like musicians in the town that well, they, they got that too, some traditional, little, some covers, some okay. of their own stuff? Well, they play. There's, there are numbers of groups. They they still keep they they, they picked up all the Western European uh, instruments mm -hmm. and added them to their native instruments if yeah. they were compatible and or if they if they once they had made better noises in some cases. Right. Uh, Latina is, is is a much more rich sounding uh, flute thing than our flutes. Mm -hmm. um, wooden flutes are pretty close, but uh, canes are made out of bamboo mostly. Right. Um, and you know they, they took the, the what they had and they added it to the western stuff and they kept the syncopated beat that uh, that wino music, Wancayo uh, and Wanuco are the two towns. In so what's that beat? Area. I bet you could do it with your mouth. Um, well, it's it, it's accentuating the second beat. Da, 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 da. Okay. So that's, you get the, the oh yeah yeah. I love 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 yeah. All right. So it's, it's kind of cool music. I've brought back a bunch. I've been to Ecuador as well. I've been to Peru twice. Um, went to uh, Chile this time. There isn't as much of that. It's much more European-style stuff there. But the Mapuche were the, uh, the people that, uh, the Indian people that kept, made the Spanish the, the biggest grief uh, while they were down there. In fact, they didn't actually get taken over until the mid-1800s. Um, they kept trying to take the southern part of the Mapuche on the island of uh, Chiloé, and they... They didn't succeed until they got the big guns to come in. But that that's those powerful people had there's a lot of language in Chile that comes from uh, the Mapuche people. Oh, okay. And we went to towns like Conguillo and Panguipuye, you know, these funny sounding names that were yeah. uh, theirs. What's it look like when you set up in a town like that? You were there for you said a year? Uh no where? Oh it, I I was talking Chile this last bit, but I was I was in um, uh, 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 Peru by myself up in the mountains uh, for four and a half months. Four and a half months. And so you would hang out in a, in a in a little barrio somewhere. Uh, well, there isn't much up in the mountains. You get above about uh, thirteen thousand feet, and you don't really find any more towns. Um, so how did you suffice? How did you take care of yourself? I would go back yourself? down to town about once a week mm -hmm. and 
I would walk down. Uh, Fill up your backpack. feet, I may point out. Yeah. <laughs> and then head on back up. I would bring plants back. Um, sometimes I would go down all the way to Lima to send plants back. For them, I would, they said uh, I could collect and send to the Arnold Arboretum uh, 50% of what I collected, but they wanted the other 50%. Okay. But I, I doubt that any of them succeeded because uh, I've learned now since trying to do stuff like this in the United States and North America that alpine plants do not do well at, at low elevations. Oh, they, they need they need, need the cold. Power. They need the cold. And they need the sun all the time. They need stronger sun. You, I was I was very brown when I left the mountains up there, and it was really bizarre weather. Right up near the snow line, there were there were small trees of members of the rose family that look a little bit like cinquefoil. If that means Stink foil? C-I-N-Q, five-leafed. That's what that means in, in French. Mm -hmm. um, it has uh, bark that's a little bit like a madrone or a paper bark maple, which is soft and red and thick on the outside. Um, but right there at the snow line, uh, if we want to talk, say, a half an hour of, of weather, uh, you could be in shirt sleeves and hot. And all of a sudden, you can see <coughs> five or 6,000 feet below you, the clouds start to form, and they're starting to come up your way. Mm. And if you've had this experience several times, you know immediately you head toward your backpack and you start putting on your jacket. Uh, because pretty soon, it's going to start raining, and then it's going to start snowing. And then it then this, the cloud storm system just stretches up into, out, into the high, high altitudes, disappears. And it starts all over again. You start taking your clothes off because it's too no, hot. No, it's hot again. The sun's right straight there. It's right, it's right over there. Your head. It's right there. You're at you're at you're at six degrees south latitude. Six degrees. Yeah. So yeah, you're just right under it. Yeah. Matter of fact, it's the first time in your in 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 your life when facing west that the left left side of your face was getting sunburned. <laughs> I did make the very absurd mistake of wait west going down east. into the uh, uh, jungle. Mm -hmm. and uh, I knew that the river went east-west and that there was a trail along the river and mm -hmm. I was dropped off on the side of the river and I headed straight south. I had a compass and I knew where the sun was so I did actually head straight south for about four hours and I knew that I uh, get dark at six. Um, yeah, I, six to six, yeah. Yeah. Every day. That's it, you got it. So it gets dark at six so I, I figured by when I got there that I had about eight hours. Uh -huh. So I was going to go in for four and come back out for four. So I did just fine, wandered through the jungle for four hours going south, more or less. Not perfectly, but it didn't matter. And then I used the compass. So mm -hmm. I was just to turn around and head direct, directly north. Now it didn't matter how off perfectly straight south I was going, because I knew that that path went for miles along the side of that river. Mm -hmm. So I, wherever I was, I would hit it and head toward the town of, of Pebas, mm -hmm. V-A-S. And, oh, after about uh, four hours um, more, um, I realized I wasn't getting where I was supposed to be getting, and the sun was setting, and I was going, hmm, something, something's a, a, a matter here. Oh, and then goodness. I realized, south of the equator, <gasps> the compass points to the south pole, not to the north pole. Oh, shit. <laughs> you went, so you had to bivouac in the middle of nowhere that night. Well, it, no, and you're out of supplies. Look at the gods. Um, now, a lot of people think about the jungle is, is impossible to get through, but this jungle was so uh, dark, dense from the uh, trees above, and they were all small. I don't think any were any fatter than a foot 
in diameter. So not very big trees, just mm -hmm. zillions of them. Yeah. You know, almost flat. Nothing growing on the forest floor. Nothing at all. Occasional little rills of water, which you can jump so over. So it's just really easy territory to walk through. Which you don't think of. You think of those nasty jungle movies with people sure. hacking through there and killing each well, other. Well, those, ex those exist. And, and, and leeches attacking They exist here in the Northwest if you ever try to go through a forest. But I heard somebody way off in the distance chopping wood. Mm. Chopping is pretty noisy. So I just boogied. I had only a day pack. Just, I was just going to go in and come back out again. I, I had a camera, but I didn't. I had a little tiny flashlight. Didn't you have been one of them statistics guys. They're like, ah, stupid guy didn't have a transponder. And I ran and ran and ran, and I caught up with this guy huffing and puffing. Lucky I was in good shape in those days. And uh, I said, so, Tony is fine. I'd be a day boss. And he looks at me and he goes, ha, ha, and yes. <laughs> Two more hours that way. Yeah, no, 12 hours. 12! Oh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> he says, uh, come to my house. So, lucky me. Um, and tomorrow morning, I'll take you down to the river and get you on one of those boats that heads, heads that way. Oh, nice, nice. So that was kind of cool. So it's a sizable river. In a, yeah, you oh, there are lots of rivers. Transversible. At that point, it wasn't the... Uh, um, Amazon, but it was one of the big tributaries to the Amazon, mm -hmm. uh, and they're big. Uh, the Amazon, where I was in Iquitos, which is where I, st I started at one of these uh, times, uh, it's a mile across at Iquitos. Oh my god, and that's a heavy current still. Oh god, and if you go, it's it's a thousand, no, it's not, it's, it's almost 3,000 miles from Iquitos to the mouth of the Amazon, and in that entire time, it only drops a thousand feet. Oh, so it's pretty dang flat. Yeah, it's flat. flat. You flat can go a hundred miles out into the Atlantic Ocean, to the east of the Amazon end point, and you can dip and get fresh water. A hundred miles east of the Amazon mouth, out into the bay, out, in, out well, into the ocean. ocean, Atlantic it's, Ocean, and it's still fresh water. There's so much water coming. Wow, that's what the galleons used to do as they went up uh, the Brazil uh, way. Uh, they would dip. They wouldn't go inland and get attacked by the locals. They would just dip out there. Oh, yeah. So anyway, there's a lot of water coming down there. Most, it, I think it may be as much as all the other rivers in the world combined. Something absurd like that. Wow. It's a lot of water. It's a ton of water. And you saw that. And and so you were just immersed. Yeah, you bet. In nature. So it's all by my staff. One of the things I tell people is, like, if Tim, Tim is so immersed in nature... But luckily, he's he's very um, like moving. He moves a lot. He's a person who has to kind of keep moving, and I think that's good because if he stood too long, I think he would actually become a tree. <laughs> yeah, I think he would. You'd be like, I want to be a tree. Well, I just came back from Vermont and looked at the place that I've I've owned uh, my parents originally from since 1967. So watching things change over time and. Uh, trees that I've been, and plants that I planted there. Yeah. What lived and what didn't live. Um, I have an American chestnut, which is a pretty rare thing. It is? A fruiting American chestnut. Are uh, they tasty? By a, by a disease. Not not 100%. They still keep sprouting here and there. Is that the one that came through in the 70s? Oh, no. When did it come through? It came through in the 30s. Oh. My father went to college. Um, 
guess it must have been after World War II, I guess is what it was. Something's wrong with my timing here. But in any case, uh, he went to a kind of a hippie college in North Carolina called Black Mountain College. And um, they, they had big buildings that had wood fire places and related sorts of things in them for heat. And so they had to go out and cut their own firewood. And so they were cutting down a four and five foot through chestnuts that had died from the chestnut blight. That mm. they, they were used for railroad ties too, for the same reason they don't rot very quickly. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's an oak well too, so it's a similar kind of a wood as oaks, oak has. So how many do you think there are left in the world right now of those American chestnuts? Oh, millions probably. But the thing is that they, as soon as they start to get cracked bark, like all big trees tend to have, they bark with fissures up, the disease gets in. Um, the disease can live on oak tree bark without hurting the oak at all. Uh-huh. It really so it kind of, yeah, so that becomes its like little transfer station. So it just goes right in where the stomata are there and the disease kills the tree. Yeah, uh, they keep sprouting. Um, they try to, it kills the stem, excuse me, it doesn't actually kill the tree. Um, but if you're a forest tree and you get killed to the ground and every other tree around you is 60 to 70 feet tall. You're done. It's kind of hard to get back up there. Yeah. Again. So, so you're on your property, and uh, how's it look? You haven't been back there for a few years. Well, I come back, I've been going more often of late in the last few years. Uh, and this was the first time since I was a kid that I spent three weeks up there at a time. Um, I ran the chainsaw and the weed whacker pretty much the whole time I was there. Um, saw a bear right in the front yard, like 20 feet from my porch. Really? What kind of bears do you have over there? Just black. Little black bears. Yeah, and it was quite furtive. I think it, uh, it didn't. It didn't smell right for it, so it looked quite nervous as it came up from below and came across. The well, you got a loud machine too. You had the well, weed whacker. was running. This was in the morning when I well, was. I was still in the in the house. I had a double uh, glass window there. Um, it didn't appear to be able to tell see me because I stood there and took a picture through the win window, which was not a clean window, sadly, but oh well, um, of it, and it couldn't quite tell that I was there. I don't think. No, but it, it was probably. quite concerned, and it took off after. We noticed things were different. Well, of course, I had mowed there. My car was sitting out there, and uh, that, you know there was glass windows instead of uh, yeah. plywood, which is how it stays. You, you were out. you were in his you were in his hangout zone. That's right. Like well, you haven't been there. Are, you haven't been there, and he's going to hang out. And you probably planted a lot of blueberries well, at some point. Blueberries, blueberries are native. The low bush blueberries, and it was at the end of the season, but there were still quite a few blue ones. I had, I had a few. I was up there this time. Yeah. But anyway, that's, there's a bunch of plants that I planted there. So every place I've ever been, and including the house that we lived in in Tunbridge, Vermont, uh, has has trees. I actually drove by there this last uh, week or a week and a half ago, I guess, and uh, saw a, uh, a native sycamore that I had planted uh, on the property. That's uh, well, it was so big that I didn't, I couldn't tell that it was because there was other trees that had grown in the same place there. That it was taller than all the other trees around there. Went, wow, that's kind of cool. I planted that yeah. probably. 40 years ago. What's the Tumbridge Circus? <laughs> the Tumbridge World's Fair. Tumbridge World's Fair. That's it. What is that? <laughs> well, you have to look it up on the web. Uh, they're a little bit uppity if they think it's a World's Fair, but it's, it's basically it's a, Tumbridge a, a county World's fair, fair. A country fair, I guess you would say. Yeah. And they do all their typical things, including drinking and carousing and uh, horse racing and uh, tractor pulls and uh, big horse pulls and you know, people races and all all the stuff. They have all the silly things that you find at fairs, and, and then all the animals and old timey stuff. They have people that 
uh, Coopers, if you, do you know what a Cooper is? Cooper's the person who makes barrels. Right. Well, there was a Cooper there that had two fingers left on his hand, and he was still a Cooper. <laughs> a lot of acid coopering, I believe. Oh, yeah. you got to move your fingers, folks. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, the two-finger Cooper at the Tumbridge World's Fair. <laughs> I, I oh. was a little shocked by that when I saw that. But yeah. He was doing a demo, and he didn't wasn't cutting himself, but dang. <laughs> well, he had two less fingers to get away. There's three, yeah. yeah. He had a thumb, though. He had a thumb, yeah. Yeah. Hadn't cut that one for some reason. Which ones did he lose? The two good ones or had, the two little ones? He had, two, he had the little and the big. Oh. He had like a rock and roll. He was always he rock just, and roll. He just had two. Oh, he just had two. Thumb and little. Oh, yeah. The ones. So they, he, was, they, he was hanged loose. They weren't all cut off entirely, but they weren't functional. But he was hanged loose. He was just working. Yeah, hang loose, bro. He's all hang loose. He was, he was way loose. <laughs> so, Tumbridge. What else is Tumbridge famous for? There's, there's I don't know. They just spelled the name many years ago. It's T-U-N-B-R-I-D-G-E. I don't know what their problem is. What they change it to? No D? There's no... Tun is T-O-N. Yeah, they just spelled T-U-N? T-U-N. They just changed it? I don't know. I don't think there's a Mr. Tun anywhere. Well, may, maybe there is. Maybe there's a Mr. Tunbridge. There is a bridge there. There's more than maybe one. there's a guy who named himself Tunbridge so he could make bridges that could take tons. In the old days, they were all covered bridges. Still, there's still, I don't know, three or four right there in town, right along the uh, White River. Yeah. It's still the functional bridge. They're not, they're not the, the, the state highway bridges, of course, are all concrete and steel, but they still use those things. They rebuild them. Yeah. Pretty impressive to watch them build them. It really is. I built a King's, King's, what is that called? King Post, I guess it is, a bridge with a friend once, just to carry our own two bodies across it. Dang, it was a lot of work. And you had to put a King Post in the middle of the creek? We did this kind of a zigzag up and down thing. Oh, uh, okay. With a post, a straight post, and then two angle posts. And then some, some other and angles to hold it all together. In the side, uh, underneath mm -hmm. the whole shebang, and then boards across the thing to walk on. Mm -hmm. it took us an entire summer to build that. Yeah. We had to cable it out with the uh, come-alongs. That's fun, though. Big, long project that works all summer. That's a good thing. I like that kind he, of thing. He built his house on the other side of a stream that flooded every single spring. It was a clay bottom area, and it would it would rise and, and fall by 15, 12 to 15 feet. Mm -hmm. So it would flood the entire field, and so he yeah. had to canoe out in the, in the springtime to, to his car that he parked somewhere up on the hillside. Mm -hmm. It was not the most intelligent thing to do, I don't think. Yeah. Well, you know, people you know, people do things. We built, a, the first time that I helped him there, I, we built a bridge, um, a small bridge like I was talking about, and uh, it was sturdy enough that a logging bridge that somebody had put in about a half a mile up the road and up the stream from us, he put it right down at, at brook level. And they were made out of tamarack um, logs, big fat tamarack logs. And our bridge caught those tamarack logs and did not break, although it got damaged. You know, we proceeded to jack up those tamarack logs and turned it into the new bridge. <laughs> oh, you just reused, yeah. <laughs> Three reused yeah. the giant beams of it. It yeah. came down and stuck right against our bridge, and so we just come along it together. 
I wonder if Billy Joel had tamarack trees. <laughs> tamarack, a cack, 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 cack. You ought to know. He lives on Long Island. Every time I hear tamarack, I always think of that song. Yeah, I forget what he said. You ought to know by now. Billy Joel, that was the thing. It was the time. It feels like a time. Like when you hear Billy Joel, you're like, oh, that was that time. That was those things that were happening. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I met uh, my wife, at uh, my prior wife, at, uh, at a, a college uh, on Long Island. And to get to that college, um, there, there was no parking allowed in the entire town of Lloyd's Harbor because only rich people lived there, of course, and they didn't want riffraff coming in. And Billy Joel's house was at a, a, a 90 degree bend in the road. You had to look at his house every time you went to where we lived. And he had a wall around it, so you couldn't see very much of it. You just saw the top part of his house. Uh -huh. What a screwy place to put. I mean, it was on the on the beach, basically, on the north side of Long Island. Sure. It didn't have waves and stuff, but it did have tides, etc. It was a very funny place to put a, put a place like that. Mm. Imagine the, yeah, the top of Long Island. Yep. That's where all the super rich people. Huntington. Yeah, and you were up there because of your wife's family? No, I was, uh, it, it, this is small world syndrome, but um, my deceased wife and my current wife all went to the same funny little private Quaker uh, high school in Argenta, British Columbia. And a long-term friend of mine by the name of Dan Reagan um, and I met at a summer camp in Vermont. And as time has gone on, we have discovered several things. Um, my pre previous wife, uh, Catherine, was a summer uh, camp counselor there. I was a camper and staff there for many years. Dan was a camper and staff there for many years. His sister, Heather, was a uh, camper there. Um, they lived on Long Island at Friends World College. Friends World College. So it's, uh, Their parents were doctors. Quaker, well, Quaker, Quaker thing. What's that? Quaker thing? Uh, Semi-Quaker is all I can okay. say that place was. Um, but they were doctors, and so they were summer camp doctors were at these camps in Vermont that I was talking about, and they also lived on this college campus and were got free housing if they were on call, basically, anytime any of the kids at the college, it's a small college. So um, Dan, going back to visit his parents, met his to-be wife, Kimberly, at this college. So she was a, a student. My deceased wife was a student there. Heather lived there because her parents lived there. She went to high school in the, in the area. Um, we all went to the same summer camp and, and or worked there. And they all went to the same little school in Argenta with 12 people graduating in the senior class. So there's a funny connection. And then I met Heather out here in Oregon where I ended up after uh, Catherine dragged me out here before she died. So this is small, this is small world. Today. It is small world, yeah. <laughs> wow. I have no explanation for all So that. both your previous wife and your current wife went to the same school. Yeah. And what, 30 years later, 25 years later, your, your previous years. wife passes away from leukemia. Yeah. And then a few years later, this other woman comes into your life. Heather's son was going to U of O, and she was divorcing her husband. Uh, they were in Homer, Alaska. 
Um, and she, so she decided to look for work in Washington and Oregon so she could be a little bit closer to her son. Her daughter gallivants around the world, so it sort of doesn't matter where she lives for, for Kristen. And so she ended up not too far away, actually, in Corvallis. And um, at some point, Dan uh, called me and said, you, you should uh, call up Heather and, and show her around because, you know, she's new to the place and you kind of probably have some similarities that are, would be of interest. And, well, I did call and she, there she was. There was nobody home. And then I didn't call for a really long time. And uh, then Heather called me um, and we talked for an hour or two on the phone. And that was a little bit shocking. And then we decided to go for a hike. And we talked all the way there and all the way back. And she had, I had asked her a question because it was my father with my prior wife that she was so quiet. She didn't ever answer any of my questions. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I'm very questioned about everything. Yeah, you're very, yeah, you're curious. Curious about everything. And I have 25 thoughts about everything, and I would rattle them all off, and, and Catherine would not say very much. Mm -hmm. And she was a very reflective person, um, and I'm very, um, I'm out there. <laughs> a little bit. Kinesthetic. Um, so anyway, uh, one of my requirements for a new friend was that they would actually be able to I don't know, keep up with me is not quite a fair statement to make, but at least be um, willing to talk about stuff. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Heather had said, well, I'm not, I'm not really, I don't talk that much. Well, after talking all the way to um, Bagby Hot Springs and in the Hot Springs and then all the way back to Silverton, uh, I said, yes, you are. Yeah, and enough I, for you anyways. That yeah. is good enough. Yeah. Yeah, you want to be able to have a good conversation, but you're also a person who's very well taken care of in your own space. You keep busy, and, oh, yeah. and you don't need you don't need forward. anybody around for a while. You can just do a lot of things. Well, I was never by myself for three weeks. I did decide that that was too much time. I, I missed. I'm also seventy now, and yeah. thinking about how many projects can I start? Yeah. And I'm just finish. I'm just looking at finishing the ones I've started now. Well, that's I'm where I'm at. That, that, that's where I'm at. Yeah. That's so. what I'm thinking. If I just focus on that, I'll get ahead of the game by by a long shot, and then I can start something new. Yeah, I, I got so many projects, and you know I'm a plant guy, so those plants change. And yeah, to do well, them. plants are yeah, they're the needy, time. needy little bastards. And we, we, uh, Heather, I don't know. This is out there in left field, but. Uh, there's property around us that is um, with exclusive farm use. Yeah. Um, tax, excuse me. Tax, tax exempt. So nobody can build on it, basically, at this point. And the people that thought they were going to inherit the property, the part of the property that's right behind us, started to build test holes for, you know, septic fields, et cetera. And they went down to uh, the county to get permits to subdivide the place. They said, mm, nope. nope. You got to be five acres at least, right? So, yeah. It's, it's, I think they have 14 acres there, so it's seven acres. So they could split it twice. So, well, yeah. the son is going to take the house and the other part of the property, which is only partly is EFU. Uh, part of it is just a house site, so it's not exclusive farm use. Um, but now Heather and I are wondering if it's worth um, doing a long-term loan to, to buy that property behind Secure us. Secure it. And, yeah. What would you do with it? She has the dream of having a horse. I don't know where she's going to get well, the time. Because right and, now, yeah. all she's doing is doctoring. But uh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> but uh, I mean, even as a, I mean, a connection, there's a property above us. There's a three, four acre field above us. If you get a stay. horse, leave it on somebody else's property in their barn. Go down and play with it once a week. <laughs> well, there is that 
Trinity is there too. Somebody's building a uh, writing setup above us. Um, so yeah, that's a much better deal. That way, well, we might uh, that way got better lease the property to them to put their horses on. Now that's a smart move. And it's yeah. kind of messy. It does have water. Yeah. It has a very big spring. Oh, nice. Um, well, that's worth, a little tiny spring on our That's property, worth it, then. That's worth it, and it's priced. And your gravity. You could just put up a big well and just feed your house without ever having a pump. Well, it'd have to be cleaned up some. I've seen cows in that hole, but <laughs> well, oh. it'll get... Oh, it's an above-ground hole? Yeah, well, spring? they dug it out some. Yeah. It's an above-ground spring. Yeah. Well, you can enclose that. It's not on the ground, yeah. Enclose that. Well, they dug it out, and they've killed their last two uh, beavers in there, so... Um, they're not actually. His sister has no idea what to do in that in that property. So they just had a trough that was a spring there for years, huh? It was just a, a, a seepage. It's all wet down below there. And well, you have a natural spot. Yeah, you have a natural spot down by the blackberries. It's wet, but yeah, it's not, uh, doesn't really come out of the ground very much. Yeah, yeah, you have a spot down there. So I don't have to water everything. We have some blueberries yeah. that survived on there. Are you ready for a break? Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Garland Pepper Presents Podcast. I'm here with my guest, Tim Kramer, better known as Tim the Shrubber. Um, we're going to be back in a few minutes for a little wrap-up session. Um, I'd like to thank you all for shop, uh, shopping with us, <laughs> for hanging out with us today. Uh, please, if you really love this podcast, uh, you know, share it with your social media situation. And uh, we'll be getting back with you in just a moment. Thank you. Bye. Gentlemen, we are back, and I'm here today with Tim the Shrubber, and, and we were talking about uh, business and business equity, and uh, he had brought up Ben and Jerry's. He's a Vermont guy, so he's familiar with them. He watched their business model emerge, and he has respect for them, and we're going to talk a little bit about business and business models. Um, I do have a friend on the old Facebook named Nick Hanauer who is looking at, at new ways of approaching business and taxation, and... Um, and kind of how this top-down mentality that we've been sold since the early, time. well Reagan era, well probably the dawn of time, yeah, top-down. I mean, how do you build a pillar of pyramid unless you're talking top-down? <laughs> so I, yeah, you're right. It's been since the dawn of time. There've always been masters with the whips, and and, and cyclically they get removed. But they, we never learn from any of the dumb maneuvers, maneuvers we've made in the last uh, ten thousand years and repeat them over and over again. Um, clearly, if the executive didn't have a janitor in their place, the place would be a mess and not be able to be used. But the person at the top always thinks that they're paying whoever it is for whatever the job is, just a fine uh, rate per hour. But it's really an exploitative process in, in most places. Uh, ben and Jerry's is sold out eventually. So did Stonyfield uh, yogurt did the same sort of a thing, organic yogurt you know. right these businesses that start up with a community model right um but once you get into distribution and marketing on a worldwide scale right. then all of a sudden these venture capitalists start to take an interest in you right and so then they start jacking up the uh, the executive pay basically um to, to attract good workers is what they think they're attracting I think they're yeah. just attracting bigger and bigger salaries. Sharks. They're, yes. just, they're just getting sharks. Sharks at talk and talk. Ben and Jerry's talk originally talk. said that the executives Super and anybody up there couldn't make more than 10% more than the people, the lowest paid worker. And uh, I used to do work with folks with disabilities on job sites. And one of our workers worked at Ben and Jerry's in Bellows Falls, Vermont. Um, and this was... 1990, probably yeah. thereabouts, and uh, he was he was making fifteen dollars an hour working in a 
freezer at 30 below zero with about six inches of fluff around him hauling the 10 gallon commercial ice cream things around mm. and having a good old time had had uh, vacation and benefits and it. yeah had interaction so they hired with... people with disabilities and oh, you, yeah. you knew helped with this kid you were you you served this child only only a little bit i wasn't the original trainer for him uh, i was a follow-up um follow-up person basically to see how things were going <clears throat> making sure to talk to the customer to the um, the business in this case and to uh the young fellow that was in there oh wow but it was, uh, they were ahead of themselves, I thought, for a long time. This was what year? What year was this, Ben? About 1990. So 1990, Ben and Jerry's had come out as basically, if you don't know the story, Ben and Jerry's came out as this basically farm-driven business. In Burlington, Vermont. In Burlington, Vermont. And they were making really, really, really good ice cream. And they all garage. <laughs> and they were also very creative about it. And, mm -hmm. and. They had noticed that a lot of the ice cream had started adding a lot more air. So gunk. it was and gunk and other things. And they were just like, you know, let's just do regular sugar. Um, you know, just cream. let's just do regular cream, but let's add some fun stuff to it. And they started getting really creative. And they were also grateful dead Cherry followers. So didn't they start like some of their first marketing was to actually doing deadhead? Uh, Terry Garcia was one of them. Terry Garcia was a, a featured <laughs> item, but wasn't it something that they started a ice cream truck that would go to dead festivals? Oh, I don't actually know, but that does ring a bell. Uh, they yeah. were everywhere in New England. Uh, I don't know. Maybe sure. it never happened. Maybe I made that up. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I have a recollection, but it might be you know, <laughs> you know, it's some something in a corner somewhere. I could easily see them doing it, though. I could too. I think they did. Oh. I'm pretty sure they did. But, you know, at, at one point, when you get your business big enough, because they started in Burlington just in a, a actual a fix the car type of garage really? that they bought, um, right off the campus of uh, University of Vermont up there. Um, and they got big enough that the, the fellow that I was working with in Bellows Falls, it's probably two and a half hours from Burlington, they had a big warehouse there where they uh, finished off stuff and, and made commercial um, various flavored uh, commercial ice creams there. So they had already grown and, and they had a big plant in, in uh, the capital city, Montpelier. Uh, they still, that's still there. Um, so they, they, have had, a they big expanded plant? big enough that they, um, I think they, the, the, all the, cons I don't know, remember, they're not very young anymore. Um, oh, no, it's been about 30 years, I think, probably. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know how old they were when they started the thing. They weren't yeah. actually students at the time, like everybody would like to think they were. Uh -huh. They did go to school there, but that was not why they were making ice cream. <laughs> you know, I saw them at a Tony Robbins. Oh, really? uh, Yeah, like a rally at the Rose Garden, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, 15 years ago, something like that, right? And uh, they were talking, they were really big on, like, denuking back mm -hmm. then. Oh, yeah. And he had, like, this um, thing of BBs. And he did some sort of illustration of this is what, you know, this is, but this is how much, how many nuclear bombs. This was what Nagasaki was, and he, like, dropped some stuff, right? Boom, 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 boom. This is what we have now in America in our arsenal. And it just went on and on. And oh, on. yeah. These little BBs dropping through. And they were, like, dropping through a funnel and landing in a jar, but he had, a like, a microphone on it. So it was just like this long, and you know, in, in, in a thing like that where everything's like rah, rah, everything's like pump, 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 and now you got to sit and listen to BBs. And, but he, he primered 
that you primitive the situation in such a way that you you were present and you were listening to these babies drop and and as you're listening to them you're thinking oh these are these these are this is how many times we can just fuck up universe you know like fuck mm -hmm. up people and what's the goddamn point uh to win it's all to win what well, it doesn't matter what do you win it's when all winning. is lost just, you won that's yeah, all that matters yeah, a bunch of you're all gonna go to heaven you know Oh, God. So, it doesn't matter. It's just temporary. God damn, you are <laughs> such a great devil's advocate. <laughs> Make them stop. You know their arguments. Oh, yeah. You bet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. It's about winning, bitches. Yes, oh, God. Yeah, go fuck the world. I'm at least living now, and if I die, it'd probably be in a moment anyway, in a flash. That's right. Well, yeah. sorry, I got my LSD ready for the time. Yeah, you probably forget about it. <laughs> like, or, or the time creeps up on you. You don't even know what's happening. That's one way. Yeah. The other way time does it is like, just happens. Like one day, boom, it's Tuesday morning, you know, 4.30 a.m. When it happens, it's done. Just that. No, thank yeah. you. Right now I'm pretty healthy. I'm going to work on it for a while. How long does acid keep? Uh, I don't know. It's dry. Well, I don't think it's ever frozen. Never frozen? I don't think so. Well, so... It was I made have, from natural no air gut. Collected on rye plants in the south. Southern acid, man. Well, then it was it taken to... Draw, it was taken to San Francisco. No, it wasn't. I take it back. It was taken to Los Angeles. And, and a chemist person played with it. And a friend of mine uh, distributed it. Um... And her pay was one ounce. That's a lot of acid. 20,000 hits. Holy moly. So, so we made 20,000 hits. That's a lot of this is on public. Yeah, it is. It is. But that's okay. I mean, it's all hearsay at this point. I mean, yeah. you could say you did it, but do you have the evidence? Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said you like kept two pieces yeah. on, on your property. Somebody's property. Yeah. Yes. Well, even even if you <laughs> did, like, even if you did and it was on your property, like two pieces of acid. Think about that. Like, where are you going to find two little pieces? <laughs> rice paper. Oh, so now we know what we're looking each for. One, each one You're, is a drop. One drop. So you just got two. And two drops. You just got. I actually have more than that. I have about probably five. Okay. So, like, this little piece of rice paper on a five acre property. Yes, right. And of which one one piece at the time, one piece would make you stoned. Two pieces would get you a little trip. Some of my friends did more than they should have. Yeah, they fucked up forever, or what? No, luckily not that. I've but known a few people not fucked up forever, but got fucked lost up. in the backyard. Yeah, they get. I mean, I've known people who like do like long periods, long bouts of acid, mm -hmm. and they get a bit worn out. Mm -hmm. at, at some level. I think they just kind of lose an edge for a while. Well, I, I didn't do very many. Did some over the years. Little tiny amounts. It was kind of fun. Last a long time. It's probably eight hours for one one of those little rice paper pieces. Yeah, I, I found it to be interesting, especially when I was really young and going through things. Mm. You know, uh, it was, it, was um, it really challenges your your belief systems, your belief systems become front and center. That deep, deeply 
No, I, didn't mess you up that way. You just kind of looked at things differently a little bit. Oh yeah, I I watched uh, the layering of plant material. I was intrigued by the the way that all the leaves and branches lined up to get the most amount of sun. Ah. And they they to me looked as if they were vibrating. They are vibrating. Well, not to my regular naked eye, but <laughs> well, not to your regular naked eye, but but it's obvious. I mean, if you look at them, I. I I can look at plants and, and see them, like you looked at my plant today in Andy's water. Mm. They tell you what they're doing. And, <laughs> and that's because when they need water, they're not vibrating. Mm. So you do know. It just, you know, it's not like you were seeing it. <laughs> well, I was seeing it, yeah. Maybe. You were seeing it at a different level. Yes. So, so what is that like? What's what, like the different level? Yeah, to, to kind of look at a plant and just kind of go, oh, I see you now. Well, little kids will do this to anything. We lose that ability or we are, are described as being nuts if we stare at stuff too long. Um, but I, there's a process that goes on there. There's something you learn by staring at things, um, by looking at it deeply. You can do nothing, too. You can just be... What is that word? Uh, catatonic, I guess. But <clears throat> but you can see stuff when you look carefully up to a point. You know, I remember staring at ants when I was a kid for hours. Watching them move yeah. around? Yeah. yeah. And then I'd get my magnifying glass and like mm -hmm. other kids would burn them. Uh, hey, burn it. I'm like, no, I'm just looking at them, you know, because it was really cool. Like if you could look at ants through a magnifying glass and then all of a sudden it looks like they stop and they look up at you. And you're you know, through the magnifying glass, and you're like, oh, shit, he sees you. And, they, and if if ants were, like, just as big as, uh, you know. You'd be in trouble. Yeah, if, if they were just right. as big as, like, those little Beamer mini cars, Mini Cooper. If they were just as big as a Mini Cooper, they could own the damn universe. Uh, yeah, but there's a physics problem there. If they were that big, they couldn't do anything that they do today. Yeah. They're, they would fall apart. Those little tractors, those little uh, front-end loaders remind me of ants. Yes. Those are badass motherfuckers, man. You can just tear stuff up with a with a big track hoe. Yeah. They're like ants. Uh, years ago, I met a fellow in, in Vermont who had uh, been a logger and done a stupid thing and cut down a elm tree that had died already, or started to cut it down, and just the vibration of his saw had broken a branch off and it landed on his back and broke him. Mm -hmm. So I first met him when he was. You can't foresee that. That was a stupid thing that you wouldn't actually normally think about. Oh, you had best luck to think about it. Oh, oh really? So that's something elms that's normal. Elms they drop apart. and they just okay. When they when they've been you know they it's die. A known beast. And then it takes three or four years before they start to break up and fall down. Yeah. And they're a sore. There's how a long problem. do I have on my cedar in the backyard? Oh, that's a long time for them because they don't rot very quickly. So I got like 10, 15 years. <laughs> Might be able to stretch it that long. I need to they get rid of. I need to get rid of all that fire fodder, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need to get up there. Too. You ever seen one of them, like, uh, like a, like a real sharp string wire type of trimmer, where you where you like throw a, a leader string over. Like if you're throwing from big boat to little boat, you throw a leader string, okay. and then you throw on your gear sure. that you could just like uh, fish over that line with with a cutting line. Like some sort of edgy cable cutting line. You just need to and pay just, somebody that knows what they're doing to cut that thing down, Gary. Yeah, I don't know. Did I mention I'm unemployed? 
<laughs> Did I mention that? Yes. Oh. And you can't do that. That is way up in the sky, and you're almost 70. Yeah, well, I got a guy. I got a guy. Well, yeah, but he hasn't done it yet. It's not well, so easy. He did the other tree, and we're giving him a break. That was pretty easy, that other tree. I'm sorry to tell you that. Well, this tree is a complex thing. We've yes, both been is. thinking about it, and he's on the job. We're That's just, good. good for him. We're just not there yet. It's an Ockywired one. I have a woodshed at my cabin. That's why we're not there yet. And it's there's take a spruce tree that is slowly dying that's right next to it. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I can conceive of felling it is to fell my <laughs> woodshed, too. I've looked at it. I've looked at it for several times this last three weeks that I was yeah. up there going, damn. So I think I may have to rebuild my woodshed. It's not a, it's not a fancy woodshed, luckily. Yeah. It's a cedar. In Vermont. Yes, in Vermont. Why don't you let the next guy build that? You don't need to go there. You just keep going there and cleaning up, and then you leave. It's is, the, it, um, is it a spiritual thing for you? Is it a, is yes, it, sir. Yeah? There you go. There it's you a go. spiritual. It's my God thing. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Got to have some place on earth that's just yours, yeah? It's the place where the mind is... I, I can let my mind go. I see 60-plus uh, miles south of my house, my cabin, to near Hanover, Vermont. Um, I see the White Mountains from my cabin's front uh, place there. Um, I used to be able to see a little over 180 degree slope, and now it's treed mostly, but I am whacking the bushes here and there so that I can see in three different, or maybe four, we will see how many, at least three places. Yeah. I have a place where my mind can go. Whew. Yeah. So it's big, wide open spaces. You're at the top of basically an escarpment from what the, you described it. This is as north, this is as high as the land, the lowest part of the land goes before it falls into the St. Lawrence Seaway. So from about 100 yards to the north of my cabin, and in a funny shaped arc, all water runs north. From my cabin in that funny shaped arc, at the same south. level, it all runs to the Connecticut River and then south so to Long Island. South. You're in like this little place, this little triangle almost. And you're at the edge. Vermont, the New Hampshire, top. and Maine. A little arc that goes up along the highlands there. Not the tallest mountain because, you know, Mount Washington is taller. But the, the lowlands come up and up and up and up. Until finally, the, this is the high place. And so we get about 100 inches of rain a year there. 11 feet of snow. So you, you, know. you actually have something there that if you figured out a way. There are people who are paying multi-million dollars to go live in Montana right well, now. Well, there's no electricity. not very far from my cabin. So anybody that wants to, to do that could actually pay the... A couple thousand dollars to do it. Now, when we first bought the place, well, that would be paid off in two months worth of Airbnb. Uh, it's like the well, perfect COVID. It's like the perfect COVID. Get out of the yeah, city. The, the friend's kid came from New York City all the way up there and spent a week up there before. Yeah. two weeks up there. I'm telling you, man, you've got a month. In in one month, two thousand dollars is paid back on Airbnb. Yeah, but you got to have somebody paying spending. attention. That's the problem. I'm I'm too far away. I'm three thousand miles away. It doesn't make any sense. You don't have a guy there still? I have a friend 20 miles away. That's he, it? He That's the closest guy? Closest one. That's This is way up north. I'm 12 miles from Canada. My cabin. Hey. Hey. Boy, did Jesus mother. Oh, boy, did Jesus mother.
A pair. A pair to Canada. <laughs> That's it. A pair. Good point points me back, yeah, no? That's right. Yeah. Did you get? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time, like, you came over for the hot tub, and I'd never heard, boy, Jesus, mother, I'd never heard that. And you just flipped into the hot tub, and you went, oh, boy, Jesus, mother, and I went, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> oh, boy, Jesus, mother. It sounds almost like, uh, it, and I think it probably is tied into uh, that Arcadia. The, oh, yeah, uh, Appalachian stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and the... Uh, yeah. It's by the Jesus mother. It's, but it's boy. Oh, when you boy. pronounce it, it's boy the Jesus Oh, mother. boy, Jesus mother. This is a, and, 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 and Tim was flipping into this hot tub, and you could just see the bliss coming over him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that was funny. First time you hear a colloquial. Is it a cult of colloquialism? Probably is. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what they call that. Uh, so, yeah, first time you hear a colloquialism. It's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Tim. Yes, sir. What is the best beat? <laughs> um, Should I get you a drum? No. Uh, it, it's a dependent thing on what the situation is. Um, uh, and it also, just to do your own by itself um, doesn't really make it. Uh, no, it's kind of fun it to, needs to, not, be, to play with others. Yes, it needs to be with. And... Um, Orchestration becomes important the more people you have there, but we tend to not want to be orchestrated. So there's yeah. sort of this uh, yin yang thing or it's push art, or, artist versus the taskmaster. Yes. Yeah. Because it gets really muddy the more people you have, the more complex the beat is. There are a few groups out there that can keep a really complex beat going. Uh, Gary was talking at the beginning, beginning of all of this about a a beat that I learned from a group, an Iraqi group. It happens to be a Syrian beat, but it's a 17-8. You can't get your head around a 17-8. It's one of those things you kind of have to just feel. It's a little bit like a 9-8. It's a little bit like a 6-8 or a 16-16, however you want to talk about it. Ah, Gary's getting out of drum. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so tell me about that beat. I couldn't hear your voice. Oh, yes. So, Can you that, imagine dancing to Oh, that? that sounds really tough. Play it right there. Let me hear what that sounds like. Not too loud, because this is a condenser microphone. Oops. Yeah, right, right there, yeah. Oh, yeah, that sounds really good. I listened to a group singing and playing, let's see, I had one drum, um, 
they had a horn of some form. I'm not sure what it was. And then a kind of a flutey thing. Mm -hmm. um, it was uh, the group called Shalom, or Salam, excuse me, not Shalom. Salam is the same meaning, which is peace, but Iraqi instead of uh, Hebrew. Um, mm. uh -huh. But anyway, uh, it, it was, a, and I actually I said, what the heck is that beat? And I emailed them. I found an email address on their CD, and I emailed them. And the next day, the guy answered me back. I was so shocked. <laughs> Nobody responds like that. It was great fun. Mm -hmm. Do it like this, he said. I said, oh, wow. And you can actually start moving to it after you play it, it long enough. Takes, yeah. So, seven, what was 17 8. 17 8 beats. So, so, you know, it's a typical beat. Well, that I, you love, in I love syncopations. Well, it's more than a syncopation, a syncopation, though, because it doesn't have the uh, even number of beats per measure. Uh, it's got 17 beats per measure. Yeah. It's an uneven How number. do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And the, and the Bulgarians do a lot of 11 and, and 13 beat uh, things, which uh, I can't quite get my head around those. I haven't figured that one out. But the 17-8 works the... I learned 9 8 a long time ago, and so if you sort of add that up, that would be like 18 8 in the same logic as opposed to right, 17 right. 8. Um, but you can you can actually get a, a roll going with a 9 8. You wouldn't think it, but you can. Huh. Um, and the 17 8 just kind of rolls along. It's just an interesting. Yeah, it you know, is. Regular it, has, it has a lope. To yeah, it. that's it, a lope. It does. It has a lope to it. It's like. You kind of get there, and then you stop, and you come back down. It kind of feels like life itself. I mean, oh, there you go. yeah, you kind of you kind of dancing up, and then you dance back down. You dance back up, and, and you dance back down. It's kind of it's a weird little stop points in it. That for me, um, I'm, I'm a I, I I dance to the beat, and I, I'm I'm crazy like that. I dance good. Well, I did back when I could move. Um, <laughs> I still feel like I can dance good, but yeah. you know I've seen the pictures. It's not happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean not as good as it used to. Anyways. Right. Um, <laughs> so timing. Yeah. And you grew up with violin. I grew up with typical uh, six eight two four four four, all those sorts of uh, beats uh, three four etc. Um, and. These irregular, uh, for whatever reason, mostly Middle Eastern sorts of beats. Uh, there's some that happens in, uh, in, in Indian subcontinent as well. Um, don't come into our music much. We don't do any of that stuff. So even doing, even trying to work with a belly dance troupe that had been playing for a long time and getting them to play a 6-8 beat, not a 3-4, a six eight no what's the difference it has to do with how it feels not the numbers because you can divide out and it's, it's three four is the same right as six, right eight. you can play a little bit more in the middle of a six eight than you can in in yeah in in, in a three four. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. as opposed to a waltz one. which is one two three one two three that's one correct. two three that's correct it's all the same beat but it has a different one, feel. Two, you, you can hit your accent. You can, you know, yeah. you can hit your accent at any place. Right. You can pick it on the one, two, or three. What, was that, what were you talking about where they picked it on the two? That, a lot of the syncopated beats from um, the mountains of Peru and... Uh, so where they go, ba, 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 
The timing is timing is a thing that I'm not great at. I don't think so. I don't. I'm, I'm not a guy. I'm not a guy. I'm not a guy who can step bottom. But I'm mm. a guy who can ride so close to it that nobody knows I'm not in it. If somebody else is, if somebody else is running it, like I can drum right next to you and and and, and totally pick up your game. Well, not totally. Sometimes, sometimes you throw one of them little weird things in there. Do you miss drumming? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, but as I was ta- telling you earlier, uh, I don't know if it was during the podcast, but regardless, uh, Heather and I both love music, but we are being occupied by growing plants in the garden and uh, work. And she's working yeah. all the time and all that kind of stuff, and so. To play music, you have to be able to let go. You have to have feel in there somewhere. And um, it doesn't work if you're stressed, basically. Yeah. What if we had enough life around for us to do all the things we loved? <laughs> well, you, you, you get, you're, you're born with the time, and so you got to use it properly. You're born with the time, so you got to use it properly. I think that some people have more time than others because they've used it more properly. Uh, Had I used my money more properly, I could actually be retired now as opposed uh, to still looking for work. Well, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's foolish me. It's not just you, but there's a lot. There's a lot of us. I mean, you're still trying to make it, and it's just a matter of, you know, being able to take on more, more like, you know, less paycheck by saving more. And I could have done it, but I didn't think I could have, but I should have. Well, I didn't even think I was going to retire, and it just so happened a year ago. So that's kind of what's happening to me at some level, but I'm too mm. young, and I don't have enough in the coffers. Mm, sorry. Well, I could probably build this up. Maybe I could. Hmm? What do you think? Here's your job right here. I think so. It feels like it, but I don't have the capital to get through it. Podcast forever. Yep. Why not? I'm pretty good at it. That's good. Yes. Yeah. I think I'm okay at it. Uh-huh. I mean, you were pretty apprehensive. No, I wasn't. You weren't. No. Yeah, I'm gonna go talk to Gary. This will work out. Okay, just talk. Yeah, this is my, my middle name. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've had good conversations for years. Yeah. We would just call and talk on the phone, and that's yeah. not your typical nature. You don't do that with others. No, not mostly. Yeah, not mostly. No. Yeah. Well, I'd like to thank you for coming out today. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen. This has been a, a really wonderful time with my good friend Tim Kramer, and uh, I'd like to thank you for following me. And this is really an important part of my life right now. It's actually how I'm trying to make things work. And uh, so if you could, if you liked this all the way through, think of a couple people that you like and actually message them the link to this show. If they're on Apple, message them a link. If they're on Google, message them a link. Doesn't matter, just Google. Just message. And just, you know, if, if... Follow me. Follow me on on Spotify or whatever. All right. Hey, y'all. Love you. Take care of yourself. Tim, you got something else? No, sir. Thank you. How about a little of that beat again? (laughs) All righty, then. Oh, yeah. Thank you.
y'all. Love you. Bye.